We are here with Sri Khan, who is a senior Iran analyst at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. Thanks for joining the Discourse Podcast, Sri. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. To start off, what's your overall reaction to President Trump announcing that the U.S. will withdraw from the 2015 Iran deal? Well, my initial preference um, for this would have been that President Trump uh, might have been able to uh, negotiate some fixes to the agreement uh, along with our, our European allies. Uh, I think in doing that, um, we might have had more leverage uh, with Iran moving forward, and it would have prevented a, a, a crisis in transatlantic relations. Uh, having said that, it was never clear whether such an approach uh, could have worked, and um, it seems increasingly likely that, or at least based on uh, the talks that have been going on so far, that the Europeans were quite resistant uh, in pursuing the approach uh, that would really have uh, made that would been pursuing major fixes to the deal. Um, so I think, in light of that, uh, I think President Trump uh, made the right call based on um, circumstances at hand, uh, and I think it sends um, an important message um, to not only to Iran but also to the international community that um, we are not going to um, sit back passively uh, as a deal that, with a deal that provides Iran with not only with a patient pathway uh, to nuclear weapons uh, just for complying with the deal, since its key provisions uh, begin to expire only in 10 years, uh, but also um, the deal itself contains uh, so many loopholes that Iran may be able to covertly um, advance its nuclear program without triggering any uh, or without technically violating any, any of the major provisions um, of the deal. So this was a deal that was fundamentally flawed um, at its inception, and I think what this does is it sets the stage um, for perhaps either uh, a new deal or perhaps uh, a way to weaken, if not uh, eventually collapse, um, the Iranian regime um, as a, through additional economic um, sanctions. So, so overall, um, I'm pleased with the decision that President Trump um, has made, and I think it's a net plus for U.S. national security. And uh, in addition to announcing that the U.S. would withdraw, the president announced that the U.S. would reimpose the sanctions that were lifted under the deal um, alongside um, brand new sanctions. Uh, what's your reaction to that? And what, if you could advise the president, what would you tell him regarding a path moving forward? Um, yeah, so I think... The reimposition of sanctions is a very critical move. Um, in addition to the flawed inspections regime of the deal, one of the uh, one of the major flaws of the agreement was that we gave Iran uh, billions of dollars uh, in sanctions relief, which it proceeded to use to advance its aggression across the region, particularly in, uh, in Syria, where the Assad regime, with military and financial support from Iran, uh, has continued to commit. Uh, atrocities against its own people, uh, most recently including this uh, chemical weapons attack um, uh, in the country. Um, so what the nuclear deal has done with these sanctions it is in fact empowered uh, and emboldened uh, Iran um, to increase its belligerence uh, against its neighbors, and this has had the effect of further uh, destabilizing um, the Middle East. So I think by reimposing um, these sanctions, um, we are taking steps to really weaken um, the uh, regime and reduce its access to cash 
that it can use um, to, uh, to engage in this malign conduct. Um, so I think this is an important step. I think moving uh, forward, I think we have to try to really uh, uh, expand our sanctions wherever, wherever possible. I think there are a number of additional um, ways, we, a number of additional things we can do to sanction Iran that uh, were necessarily, um, uh, are necessarily tied to the deal. So, for example, we, should, we could sanction uh, Iranian uh, state media, uh, like their, uh, the, particularly the Islamic Republic of Iran, uh, broadcasting, which is actually a major propaganda uh, organ for the regime. Uh, in addition to just promoting their own ideology, uh, this is uh, also a network that um, even broadcasts uh, the forced confessions uh, of political prisoners. So this is really a strong agent um, of repression of the regime. And I think moving forward, um, we really have to be moving on two tracks simultaneously. Uh, I mean, there's two number of ways we can really do about it, but two are not exclusive. I think path number one is uh, to work for uh, achieving a new deal. And I think um, what we've done here helps us achieve that is because this really increases our leverage. And by reimposing uh, economic sanctions on Iran um, in, a, in a severe manner, we will eventually um, place the regime in a choice, uh, with a binary choice, either um, resume negotiations with us or face economic collapse. Uh, and I think under those circumstances, the regime is likely to choose uh, further negotiations, just as they did in 2013 when they uh, sought these negotiations of the nuclear, for the nuclear deal precisely because their economy was in such uh, dire straits. And I think we can, um, uh, I think we can recreate um, that situation. Um, and that's especially going on now because um, the Iranian economy has uh, become increasingly uh, weaker and weaker. And I think this creates an opportunity to really push uh, at its flaws. Um, so I think that should be one goal. I think that the second path that we should also go is, I think, to also um, pursue ways that we could actually um, cause this regime uh, to collapse um, from within, which would in turn um, uh, render unnecessary the need for, hopefully unnecessary, render unnecessary the need uh, for arms control negotiations um, in the first place. Um, and uh, I think that really has to be the ultimate long-term goal uh, of U.S. foreign policy, because at the end of the day, um, this regime is not going to um, is not going to cause uh, is not going to engage in significant, uh, dramatic changes to uh, its underlying ideology. I think it's just not capable of doing so, because to do so would uh, would really uh, just undermine its entire reason for being in its own eyes. And this is a deeply ideological regime. So that's the long-term goal. But until then, I think it's absolutely possible that we can still uh, extract uh, a better deal out of Iran um, in the meantime, um, precisely because um, they will be faced with this choice of negotiating with us or facing economic collapse. And in that circumstance, uh, I think they will do what they have to do to ensure their own survival. And even if um, the Iranian economy is weakened, um, would we need European cooperation for the Iranian economy to be even weaker? Because, I mean, should we expect the uh, Europeans to impose, reimpose uh, their sanctions on Iran? Um, well, here's the thing. The thing is that when we sanctioned the United States, 
when we, sorry, when we sanction uh, Iran, uh, we also impose secondary sanctions on other companies throughout the world that would attempt to do business with Iran. So what would happen is that Europe will soon be faced with a choice. Um, they could, if they want, continue to do business with uh, Iran's $400 billion economy, or they could do business with the United States' um, $16 trillion uh, economy. Uh, and faced with that choice, uh, the Europeans are going to, uh, I think they will choose the United States. It would be economically uh, ridiculous for them to, to prefer uh, Iran. So, so I think the Europeans will, will, will grumble and, and get angry about this. Um, but at the end of the day, I think they too will do what is in their own economic uh, self-interest. And, um, and so I'm not too worried about Europeans, about uh, Europe going along uh, with this plan. And uh, crucial to the uh, follow-through um, of withdrawing from the Iran deal is having a strategy to counter Iran's aggression in Syria. Um, do you see the president um, doing that or just sticking with the we're only there to defeat ISIS and nothing else plan? Well, it's, it's not clear at this point uh, exactly what the president uh, was going was going to do. Um, just a few months ago, he was talking about how he wanted to uh, withdraw from Syria, right. uh, but then the chemical weapons attack um, that Assad uh, performed um, appears to have appears to have uh, changed that calculus, which I think, um, and I think it would be uh, unwise um, for Trump um, to withdraw from Syria. Uh, to withdraw U.S. troops from Syria because uh, I think that would uh, send a message to Iran um, that America is in retreat and it would have the effect of emboldening the regime uh, to continue its expansionary uh, ambitions in the region. Uh, I mean, right now Iran has um, a major uh, presence. Iran has a major presence in Syria. Um, The Israelis have had to conduct airstrikes against uh, Iranian bases uh, there. Um, those strikes are, are likely to continue, um, and I think if we were to withdraw, um, it, it would exacerbate the situation considerably. So, um, you know, I, I think at some point it, it, is, it is appearing uh, increasingly likely um, that there will be a further uh, mil- that there will be a military confrontation between Israel um, and uh, Lebanon or and or Syria. Um, you know, Hezbollah, uh, which is backed by Iran, uh, has some 150,000 rockets um, uh, lined up along the its border with Israel, across the Lebanese border uh, with Israel. And um, it, it seems to me that um, it, it's probably just a matter of time um, before that conflict erupts. And I think uh, should that time come, um, the United States really uh, needs to uh, be there. It needs to have... Um, that presence um, to serve as a deterrent uh, to Iran and to send the message to Iran that there's going to be consequences uh, for its malign aggression in the region. And what would you say to those um, who say that, you know, it's not our business to be in Syria? How does this uh, affect us um, per se on the homeland? You know, all, you know those um, kind of arguments. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, there are several reasons it, it affects us. Number one, um, I think if we were putting a 
situation for a second. Uh, if we were to withdraw from Syria, I think it would create a vacuum that would once again be filled um, by either ISIS or uh, other like-minded um, terrorist groups. And I think if they have that base, it increases the likelihood that um, there was going to be uh, a terrorist attack on, on U.S. soil, uh, either committed by or inspired by um, uh, uh, officials uh, associated with ISIS uh, or people associated with ISIS. Um, and that's something that has, that has already uh, occurred multiple times on U.S. soil. Uh, I think um, the more, uh, to the extent that uh, uh, terrorist groups control an area, you're also exacerbating um, this refugee crisis, which is destabilizing um, much of Europe. Um, and then that, in turn, increases the odds of further terrorist attacks in Europe um, as well. So I think, number one, um, it, it, uh, our presence in Syria, I, I think, plays a critical role in reducing the threat uh, from, uh, uh, from radical Islamic terrorists on both the U.S. and European um, soil. So that's the first interest, I think, that we have in staying there. Uh, the second interest, I think, is related to what we've just been discussing, which is Iran. Um, uh, the fact of the matter is that um, uh, the reason why Iran is in Syria, uh, as well as in Lebanon and Iraq and Yemen, is because um, it's all, it sees as its ultimate mission um, to, to expand and to be the dominant regional power uh, and to subject the region to its own particular uh, radical interpretation of Shiite Islam. Um, this is Iran is not simply um, uh, is not simply a, 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 a country um, that seeks to control power. It's also um, a country that um, regards itself as a revolutionary movement. It's a distinct ideology um, that sees itself as a, as the vanguard of authentic Shiite Islam in a region corrupted uh, by the United States and uh, Israel and uh, their Sunni Arab partners. Um, so, so Iran is, is a country uh, on a mission, and um, and I think one other reason that it, you know it wants these presence is particularly uh, in Syria and Lebanon, is because uh, by maintaining that presence in Syria, uh, in Lebanon, and 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 Iraq as well, um, it helps create um, a land bridge um, that would facilitate the movement of arms and troops to those countries that it can turn use to um, attack Israel. So I think we are, um, uh, I think if we were to simply uh, get out of the region and say, this is your problem, uh, I think it's only a matter of time before um, that comes back, that uh, policy would come back to haunt us. Um, so I think we have a, I think there are core U.S. national security interests that are, are advanced um, by uh, maintaining, by our maintenance of a robust a U.S. leadership role um, in the Middle East. And my second to last question is, um, going back to the Iran deal, uh, what would you say to those like uh, Democracy for America who say that the deal um, halted Iran's nuclear program or prevents them from acquiring a nuclear weapon? Uh, well, I would say that's just not true. Um, first of all, um, you know, the best argument um, you can make for the deal. And let's assume, uh, for argument's sake, they're not cheating. Um, the best argument you can make for the deal is that it uh, gives, it, it buys us time. It buys us 10 years of time. Um, and perhaps something will change during those 10 years that will render Iran less of a threat. Perhaps the regime uh, will reform. 
Um, now, I think that's um, a flawed argument because, number one, because there's no evidence that this regime uh, isn't going, is going to reform. On the contrary, in the wake of the nuclear deal, it has, um, um, it has actually expanded its aggression both at home and, and, and overseas. And human rights abuses have actually gotten uh, worse since the nuclear deal. Um, and its uh, involvement um, and its meddling in its neighbors has also um, gotten worse as well. Its military budget actually doubled um, in the wake of the nuclear deal because of the sanctions released um, that they received. Um, so, um, so I think so. So the premise of that that we're going to you know buy this time um, to help you know so that the regime will have perhaps reform later, um, I, I think is a flawed premise. But on, but on top of that, uh, it, it's looking at the terms of the deal itself. It, the deal itself, um, there are major gaps um, in the deal that make it very difficult to say that it is preventing Iran uh, from developing a nuclear weapon. And I'll give you uh, some examples. Um, uh, for one thing, um, the nuclear deal does not provide full access to many um, sites, particularly the Parchin military base, where we know uh, that Iran has, has engaged in nuclear weaponization work um, in the past. So the fact is there are nuclear facilities uh, that we just don't have access to, and we have no idea uh, what's going on. And if Iran were not cheating um, as we speak right now, it would actually probably be the first time uh, over the last few decades um, that it wasn't cheating, because we know um, uh, Iran has always been in violent, you know, the Iranian uh, government signed the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, I believe, in 1970, and... Um, for for decades, you know, after the Islamic Revolution, they were, uh, you know, their nuclear, you know, their nuclear weapons program dates back decades, and we know that they've already been in serial violation of the NPT um, for years before um, the chase that the the 2015 nuclear deal um, was signed. So, so we don't. So there's a lot we just don't know about what's going on that makes it very difficult uh, to say that that's preventing Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. Um, I would also add that um, there are multiple. There have been multiple cases of cheating on the deal, of violations. Uh, succeeded this allotment of heavy water, for example, which is the material used to produce a um, plutonium bomb. Um, they've continued their uh, research and development uh, of advanced centrifuges, um, which uh, facilitates the uh, um, uranium path uh, to a nuclear weapon. And they've also um, violated the UN security, the letter, the spirit of the deal as well as the letter of the U.N. Security Council resolution tied to the deal by uh, illicitly developing as many as 23 uh, ballistic missiles, which is uh, the ballistic missile is the del delivery mechanism vehicle for uh, a nuclear weapon. So the question is, so why are there, so if they've abandoned their nuclear, their aspirations for a nuclear weapon, why on earth would they be developing uh, ballistic missiles? You know, it, it makes no sense. So, um, so what I think this development demonstrates is that Iran actually is quite, is absolutely planning um, to develop uh, a nuclear weapon that will that, put these ballistic missiles um, to use. Um, and either they're doing it now covertly, um, or their plan to do it is um, when, the key, when, the, a key, when the deal's key provisions begin to expire uh, in 2023. Um, and that's uh, just a few years away. Um, so I, I so I dispute the whole premise of, uh, of this argument that the deal is um, uh, can really be said to prevent Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. 
And my final question is, here at the National Discourse, we're about publishing articles on both sides of the political and ideological spectrum to foster mature dialogue nationwide. What's your reaction to the current state of political discourse as it pertains to the discussion over Iran and the nuclear accord? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, look, this is, um, you know, we're at a period of American history where the country is, is historically uh, divided, and um, the 2016 uh, election was, uh, you know, certainly one of the more rancorous and bitter uh, elections uh, in our history. And um, this, uh, and I think the divisions and intense anger um, that Americans feel towards one another has really uh, seeped into almost every major um, political uh, or policy dispute. And I think um, the Iran, the case of the Iran deal is, is no exception. Um, you know, many people on uh, this issue, there are very strong feelings um, attached to the Iranian nuclear deal. Um, it touches on a very critical and sensitive U.S. national security uh, concerns, uh, as well as the security concerns of the entire Middle East, uh, including Israel and the Sunni Arab states, who regard Iran as, as a major threat. Um, so naturally, um, these, um, these debates um, can often deteriorate into name-calling and, and character assassination, and, um, um, and you know, hopefully um, I have no immediate reason to think that that's going uh, to change. Uh, I, think, um, I, know I think everybody involved in this debate, you know, myself included, has an obligation to be, um, uh, has an obligation to uh, be as respectful as possible um, uh, to our critics, to not necessarily assume that they're uh, motivated by uh, venality or malice, um, and uh, and to have our conduct our disagreements um, in a way that's uh, respectful. Um, well, is that going to happen anytime soon um, on a macro level? Probably not, but um, but unfortunately, it, it is a sad situation, and I think the state of discourse in the country um, is. Uh, at a historic uh, low, and um, I, I wish it were otherwise, um, and I wish I could be more optimistic about the future, but unfortunately, I think that's where we are as a country. Svi Khan, Senior Iran Analyst at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much.